previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. 2020 continues to victimize this city's football franchise. Team cares. That's my pregame warm-up right there. This turkey slander has to stop. That's your last game of 2020 with your cheek neck. You know our boy has Rona, man. You cannot drive this car fast and you die, then we get another drive. Whatever I break, they can fix it. You have to be responsible for anything that's in your body. You didn't have it because if you had it, you would know you had it. I mean, why you got the guy trying to throw deep? The play calling was just dumb. I just want to prove the Silver Fox wrong. And I can't say it any better than Tyra Banks. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad to be back with you guys again and getting back sort of into our routine. I'm not as timely as I want to be, but I am back for the second time this week, and I certainly appreciate you guys for coming back as well. Going to tell you what we have coming up for you, but I first want to uh, run down a couple of things, very important things. You can go to the WadesWordProductions.com website, and you say, well, you say this all the time. Well, you know what? We are expanding. We are growing. We have people who are listening for the first time, and we want them to go to the WadesWordProductions.com website. Check it out. Peruse the uh, the site. Listen to past episodes also uh subscribe to the email list so you can be a part of that and get emails from us periodically and of course the sports line that's something else that's my baby i birthed that to try to stay connected with you guys and that's up 24 hours a day 832-941-6614 that's 832-941-6614 it's a great way to communicate with me and other listeners because we will get your calls on um, the podcast so that's important also on social media the sports talk with devin wade group page on facebook you can be a part of the group always a lot of fun stuff posted a lot of folks who answer questions make comments i mean it's a great forum for us to participate so that's the sports talk with devin wade group on facebook and there's a fan page that i post there as well so uh those are ways to get in touch with me on social media and of course on twitter at wade's word well this time out we welcome back santana dotson former nfl defensive lineman he is the uh former uh i guess he always will be the defensive rookie of the year his year and played for the yates lions and the baylor bears he's houston and he's texas through and through but he's also a Green Bay Packer, part of that uh, Packer family. We'll have a conversation with him about the Packers, about the NFL, about stuff that's going on in and around the NFL. So we look forward to that. May even get some comments from him about the Houston Rockets. He's a native Houstonian. He knows his sports. Uh, so we have that coming up. We have headlines coming up. We have a Why We Kneel segment with Kalina, our very own. 
Additionally, I will tell you guys who is going to have a good day. If you're making picks or you play fantasy, that's my look. I'll give you a few little pointers. Look, just just my observations, just sort of my, what I look at, what I see, and maybe that can help you make a few dollars. I mean, I'm not recommending that, but if you do, and sometimes I do get those people asking me, hey, what do you think about this one or that one? I, I will tell you this. I'm better picking than I am at fantasy although i'm 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 not gonna say i break even <laughs> i won't say that but i i win i win I, I win games every weekend not enough games it's not a good hobby to, to get into but I, I do my share i I'm, i don't embarrass myself on the picks i'm leading the likes of ralph cooper and haywood jeffries and uh, pat coleman and Kerwin Tillis, uh, Kervin, uh, and um, who else? Uh, Jesse Mitchell. Who else is in the in the group? Oh, my man Willie Carter. All of those guys are in that group, and, and a lot of folks I don't know. So uh, the picking is going well. I'm in first place with that. So I have the good day segment coming up. Also have Lamont Award for the big dummy of the podcast. And before I let go, so all that's going on. So with that, let's get into some. Headlines in headlines every time I complain about 2020 in Houston sports, it gets worse. <laughs> we talked about the Texans last week. This time we're talking about the Houston Rockets and they consummated the trade of Russell Westbrook to the Washington Wizards. For John Wall. Now, I talked to a couple of people on this very podcast about how ridiculous, how ridiculous that trade is. Uh, it's beyond me. Terrence Harris didn't think it would happen. Daniel Ewing didn't think it would be a great trade. I don't. I think it's a. So let, let me do this two ways. I'm going to do this two ways. I'm going to go totally pessimistic and then I'll go a little bit more optimistic. Now, my nature, let's let's be optimistic first okay Let, and then i can get to my my true pessimistic nature about uh, this deal so if you're trying to be optimistic about it this is what you say you say okay well russell westbrook he didn't want to be here and this is a trade of a guy who if healthy is very very talented and he gets to reunite with demarcus cousins and this may appease an appeal to james harden and he may very well want to stay now that russell westbrook is gone and john wall is there that's the optimistic view of things kumbaya so we got that out of the way and before I get to the pessimistic part of it, let me say this. So if this is the first move of a number of moves, maybe we can revisit this. But as of today, my opinion is this was a awful, awful trade for the Houston Rockets. And I'll tell you why. Not that John Wall is a bad player. It's just that if you are the Rockets in this situation, you want to get something, something that resembles a win for your organization. <laughs> you say, well, what do you mean? Okay, you want cap relief. Maybe you get an expiring contract. Or you get maybe some youth. Maybe there's a team. And, and again, I'm not going to play GM and pick the team and pick the situation. But maybe there's a team that maybe has some, some guys who will be sitting behind other guys that may not get a shot. 
maybe a team that is very, very close that could add a Russell Westbrook that can give the Rockets some youth in return for this. Now, obviously, I know salaries have to match up, and that's why you look for maybe some expiring contracts. Well, John Wall has the same contract that Russell Westbrook has. And then they said, well, you you did get a first-round draft pick, a first-round draft pick in 2023 that is protected. So what what is that what is that really going to do for you a couple years from now two or three years from now what is that going to do for you so does that mean this is just what it's going to be that this is a total rebuild cuz if cousins comes in in the one year and he is healthy again which I hey I am a cousins fan on the court I mean he's in a little aloof and he's kind of he he's a different kind of cat but I'm a fan of his skill set but you know if he has a great season, he's out of here. He, he's he gone after the one year, and then he can go really get paid. And he's been trying to do that for a while, and, you know, of course, injuries keep creeping up on him, and he's not able to do so. So now you're stuck. You have – you're not young. You don't have – you're not rebuilding. It's like you're downshifting unless, again, if unless they're not done. But I just don't see – this working out. Maybe Harden is on his way out, and they just want to field a team that is respectable, that may surprise you. You know, they may do something. But here's what I don't like the most about the John Wall trade. He's only played 82 games once in his career, and that was back in 2013, 2014. And he hasn't played since 2018. So here's a list of his injuries, okay? um, Let's see. In September 2012, he had a knee injury, missed 33 games. In May of 2015, broken wrist, missed three playoff games. In April of 2016, saw a knee, two games, they shut him down. In May of 2016, knee procedures on both knees. In 2017, a quad injury. Uh, he only missed a couple games there. In twenty November of 2017, right shoulder soreness, he missed one game. In November of 2017, nine games after left knee discomfort. In January of 2018, left knee procedure, he was out between six and eight weeks. In December of 2018, he had left heel surgery. And in February of 2019, he ruptured an Achilles tendon. Now, this is the guy that you have coming in. Now, you can't doubt that he's a really, really solid, nice, nice player, upper echelon player when he's healthy. But are you ever going to see that John Wall again? I don't know. I mean, I'm not optimistic about it. And he couldn't work things out with Bradley Bill. Now, I'm not going to say he was to blame or Bill. I don't know. I don't know what they had going on in Washington. I just don't know. I know that the community and the, the the city loves him up there, and that's cool. And he, I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm not. This has nothing to do with him as a person. This is what what are you doing as a franchise? What, what are we what are we doing here? So to me, it's a it's an awful deal. You trade a guy that you know is going to bring it every single night. It's been relatively injury free. He had a little COVID thing, uh, and this year, a few little injuries here and there, but nothing like John Wall. John Wall is like the David Johnson of the NBA. When healthy, David Johnson was a beast for the Arizona Cardinals. But when are we ever going to see that again? 
And are we ever going to see that from John Wall? So the trade, you had two objectives. So if I'm going to get rid of a talent, and you know you're not going to get the same kind of talent back. You know you're not. So you have to win in other ways. Does That mean, that means cap relief. Give me at least an expiring contract. Or give me youth. Or give me something. <laughs> give me something that I don't have. And I don't think on any level you can look at this and say the Rockets won this trade. So I'm not feeling good about it. I asked you guys about it, and 88% of you guys said, no, 82% of you guys said, yes, you like the trade. Maybe it's because, yeah, you if you don't want to be here, we don't want you here. I get it. But, I mean, Russell Westbrook, I love. He brought it every night. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't take nights off. He's going to come hard. He's a he ride-or-die type dude. He's loyal. He was loyal to, I mean, again, he wanted out of the Rockets, but we don't know what really went on behind the scenes. Maybe that was just a public preemptive strike on something he knew was going on in the organization anyway. Because if he knew James Harden wanted out, if he knew that, then, of course, he wants to beat him to the punch and get out of here first. He don't want to be stuck here. No one wants to be the last on the ship that's sinking. We'll see. Maybe they will make a move and get rid of Harden and revamp this thing, but I'm not crazy about any of this. Give me your take. 832-941-6614. I'm just this is just this is a loss. It's a this is a big L. Now, I if if John Wall comes back and becomes the player that he was back in the day and he's just the the picture of health and vitality, then, hey, then I will be the first. It wouldn't be the first time I was wrong, but I don't believe that I'm wrong about this situation. So we'll have to see about that. Big uh, weekend in the NFL. Uh, we finally just we wrapped up uh, week 12 going into week 13. Now you have uh, the big game, I think, is Cleveland at Tennessee. It's going to be a pretty good game there. Now the Colts come to Houston. We talked about Will Fuller and that whole situation. And that's just, I don't know how you get over that. I know that Deshaun Watson has said publicly he wants to make it a priority. He wants the team to bring him back. He's going to work on bringing him back. We'll see how that goes. Let's see how much clout he has. Uh, but the Texans don't they don't have a GM, a legit GM right now, and they do not have whoever's going to be coaching this team next year. So they're playing out the string. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll take a hit on this one because – I thought that they would win seven, eight, nine games. Looks like that ain't happening. But, you know, you have to trust Deshaun Watson to do what he does. So that's going on. Big fight this uh, weekend. Errol Spence coming off of a really a, almost a fatal car crash. I mean, just a dramatic and very dangerous car crash that he was really severely injured in. He's coming back to fight Danny Garcia. Don't, I have not commented on the Tyson Roy Jones thing. And that's that's what you do. You don't comment on that kind of stuff. But if you, you guys want to comment on it, you can. I don't have a comment on it. I mean, I'm a real fight fan. I remember when boxing was a real thing. We're on fumes now. For boxing fans, it's not what it was at all. MMA is getting a lot of attention, but I'm not an MMA guy. But this will be a good fight this weekend. So we'll have, have to see. I saw Terrence Crawford a few weeks ago, Bud Crawford. Saw him fight a couple weeks ago. So going to go to a segment done by our very own Kalina. 
It is why we kneel. We do that usually on the Thursday edition of the podcast. It's a reminder for folks like her who are boycotting the NFL until Colin Kaepernick is back in the league or because Colin Kaepernick was blackballed because he stood up for those who were victims of police misconduct and injustice. Here is why we kneel. Feeling the chilling moment that led like to a police you officer wow. shooting now. me. Ultimately, wow. it's to bring please, awareness officer, and make people. Colin Kaepernick kneeling to protest social injustice and police. Yet unsigned by any NFL team. He's fired. He's fired. Why we kneel. In August of 2014, in Phoenix, Arizona, Frances Garrett was contacted by mental health workers that her daughter, Michelle Cousseau, was a danger to herself. They attempted to get Cousseau to a mental health facility, but she was making threats against the mental health workers. A call was placed to the police, and officers responded to an emergency mental health pickup order of Cousseau. When they arrived and knocked on the door, Cousseau did not answer, so they entered the apartment. There are disputing claims of what happened next. What is known is that Cousseau was holding a claw hammer over her head. Officer Percy Dupra interpreted this action as a threat and shot Cousseau once in her chest. The officers performed CPR and Cousseau later died at a hospital. A civil service board comprised of three civilians and three Phoenix Police Department employees found Dupra's actions to be in violation of department policy, stating he failed to, quote, control the situation. Dupra's was demoted in 2016. No criminal charges were filed. While diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, her family claimed Cousseau was nonviolent. She was celebrated as bubbly, defiant, and bright. Michelle Cousseau was 50 years old, and she is why we kneel. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. want to thank Kalina for the Why We Kneel segment. And just a reminder, we usually run those on the Thursday edition of the podcast. As you know, we come out on Tuesdays, roughly Tuesdays and roughly Thursdays. Not so much the last couple of weeks, but usually on the Thursday edition, we have a Why We Kneel segment. So we certainly appreciate her for that. With that, going to shift gears and I'm going to tap into my inner Jimmy the Greek. And I know that many of you don't know who in the hell Jimmy the Greek is, but uh, trust me, it's a correct reference, if not dated. So I will give you my picks for five teams and five players that are going to have a good day over the weekend. Now, I like to keep track of what I've done. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm doing well in pick them and I do okay, but I'm above average. I would say average to above average on uh, my daily fantasy which I, you know, I win every week. And sometimes it's not a net win, but I win every week just about. There are a few weeks where I don't I don't know that I have won a whole week didn't win one game. Maybe I have. I'm not sure. But as it pertains to this segment, the last time out I was 3 and 2. That gives me a record of 35 and a half and 15 and a half 
for the entire season. And my upset special, which that's something to pay attention to. I am I'm six and four for the year. So pay attention to the upset special. You may win you some money on that one. As it pertains to my players, last time out, I was three and two. And that makes me 29 and 20 overall on the season. And so that may help you with your fantasy numbers. So with that, let's look forward to who's going to have a good day on Sunday. When you're talking about teams that are going to have a good day, the Minnesota Vikings over the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags are in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, and they have no incentive to win, while Dalvin Cook and company will get it going, and the Vikings will have a good day. The Tennessee Titans over the Cleveland Browns. The Titans are the hottest team in football, the Kansas City Chiefs notwithstanding, but the Browns aren't ready for big boy football, and that's what December is all about, big boy football. The Titans will have a good day. The Los Angeles Rams take on the Arizona Cardinals and in the battle of the unpredictable the Rams will rebound they will have a good day versus the Arizona Cardinals and we can finally put the Arizona Cardinals down for the rest of the season. The New England Patriots take on the Los Angeles Chargers and poor Anthony Lynn this may be his death knell because Bill Belichick this is his time of the year when it gets cold although it may not get cold on Sunday when it gets cold Belichick and his coaching staff will get that team in order Cam Newton is playing better the Patriots will have a good day. And in my upset special, the Atlanta Falcons will defeat the New Orleans Saints. I called this last time out, and I got it all the way wrong. The New Orleans defensive front did tremendous work. I think Atlanta will rebound, and Atlanta will have a good day. If you're talking about players who are going to have a good day, T.Y. Hilton versus the Houston Texans. Now, he has had a below-average season, but he's a Texans killer, and he should be a fantasy bargain. He will have a good day. Dalvin Cook was a little nicked up last week, but he he should be okay on Sunday to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. They allow 130 yards per game on the ground. Dalvin is good for that. He will have a good day. Last time the Atlanta Falcons took on the New Orleans Saints, Matt Ryan was terrible, but he'll rebound in a big way, and I'm telling you, that's my upset special because Matt Ryan will have a good day. Russell Wilson will continue to build his MVP resume on Sunday versus the New York Giants. He'll find all his guys. He has balance in that offense. Chris Carson running the football well. His receivers doing work. Metcalf had a big game last week and Russell Wilson will have a good day. Finally, the Green Bay Packers are firing on all cylinders offensively. Aaron Jones is going to be a part of that on Sunday. The Philadelphia Eagles, they are lost in the sauce and they can't even win the worst division in football. Aaron Jones will get off and he will have a good day. All of those teams, all of those players are going to have a good day. With that, going to take a time out and hear from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. But still to come, our conversation with Santana Dotson, former Green Bay Packer, and Alamon Award, and a whole lot more. It's the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcast, on Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. 
CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Devin Wade podcast that is DJ Anarchy on the mix our resident DJ you can check him out in or around H-Town he's doing his thing I'm sure wherever he is it's a safe masked environment well at least we hope so (laughs) you can also check him out on Instagram and on SoundCloud be sure to show him some love we certainly appreciate him and if you have music you'd like played on the podcast just hit us up Music at wageworldproductions.com. That's music at wageworldproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. We want it to be family friendly or PG 13 or radio edit. You know, we want to kind of keep it relatively clean, relative. But the genre doesn't matter. Whether it's washboards or the oboe, whatever you play, we'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track or an extended portion of a mix for other DJs at the end of the episode. Well, one of the big stories coming out of Texas, uh, Texas high school football, which is bananas that this parallel existence we have where some people are abiding by the rules and staying away and socially distancing and not convening. And then you have people that are living their best life and, Corona be damned and whoever gets it from them be damned. But nonetheless, Texas high school football is in the headlines both uh, locally and regionally and even nationally as a Edinburgh, Texas high school football player. His name is Emmanuel Duran. He attacked the referee. And if you hadn't seen the video, it's easy to find. It's everywhere. He was ejected from a game for a couple of personal files and misconducts or whatever. And he decided, I guess he was going to take it out on the referee. And he was subsequently arrested. And I don't know what all the charges are, what the consequences will be, but his team is no longer going to play or vie for a playoff spot or participate in the playoffs because of his actions. Now, people say, well, is that a fair thing to do to punish the team? I don't know that it's fair to the team, but you can understand that if you want something to go away, can you imagine how many cameras and how much pressure will be on those kids uh, surrounded by media moving forward? 
So, I mean, that's the prudent choice to make because this is one of those things you can't ignore. And the uh, the referee in question who uh, was attacked, I mean, clearly knocked to the ground by this big guy who looked like uh, nice size, good movement. I mean, if I'm, if I'm scouting him just from a physical standpoint, we might be able to stick him in the A-gap and see what he could do. But his behavior was just, he, you can't do that. And I am so reluctant to get police involved with things that happen on the field. But sometimes you got to have police involvement in things that happen on the field. And I don't, you know, I don't know what they'll end up doing, but they need to get this kid some kind of counseling because he has some problems. Because I don't think this is the first. He had some similar incident. So he's done. And he's probably done playing football. I don't know. Could he go to second chance? Or what is it? Last chance you? I, I don't know. But just a, a ridiculous thing. And he probably, if you ask my opinion, he probably, they probably knew he was that kind of kid. Yeah, kids like that don't just come out of the blue. It, it just didn't have something has happened as it pertains to authority in his scholastic career. These things don't happen in, in a vacuum, usually. So they probably knew that this dude was a ticking time bomb, and he probably shouldn't have been playing. Although he's a hell of a football player, from what they say, defensive player of the year in the conference or something like that. But you can't do that. And, and whatever happens to him, uh, it should serve as an example to others. What do you do? I mean, what do you do with the kid? He does need to be disciplined, and he should be done. Whether he not, whether or not he gets another chance, you'd have to know the kid, the circumstances, his psyche. Was he? What what was going on with him? What's his background? But yeah, he's probably done for, and he'll have to live with this for the rest of his life. And it's a tough situation. I don't want to see the kid go to. I mean, well, he would have to go to jail. He's eighteen, so I don't want to see him do any jail time but he needs to cope with whatever he has going on because you just can't i mean fighting with another player is that happens i'm down with it i don't endorse that but i can get over that that's not a problem but that yeah that's a little bit too much even for for me and i'm not squeamish about a lot of this stuff but he he has to go so with that want to uh, go to our conversation with a friend of the show our guy santana dotson for more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com. Our guy, former NFL defensive lineman, rookie, defensive rookie of the year, Yates Lion. All of that good stuff. Santana Dotson joins us again. Have you seen the documentary floating around? There a couple, uh, well, that was one documentary for sure, and then there are others floating around about Yates. Have you seen any of those? No, I have not. I heard that something was getting prepared to go into and be released, but I haven't seen any of it. Okay, I've seen snippets, and I'll have to find that clip and send it to you. I talked to Lawrence King from time to time. He tells me all about those things. But big win for your Baylor Bears in basketball last night. I want to give you some some Baylor Bear love if you want to plug them. What, number two in the nation of the men's basketball uh, team? Yeah, number two in the nation, man. They had a lot of folks, you know, it got cut short last year with the, the year of the COVID going to the tournament or anything like that. They were doing well last year, and the season got cut short. And what it looks like is all of their – there was a they were a senior-based team, and all of those guys come have come back. So 
they've worked hard in the offseason, and they had a big win last night, uh, I think, against Illinois. And uh, people are expecting big things from them. Yeah, and what about the football team? I mean, uh, first of all, this has been a crazy year in college football. Is it just a matter of, hey, they're playing the games to make sure that the sport financially survives? Or, I mean, because it doesn't seem like a legit champion will be crowned this year. I don't know. What's your take on, on college football? Yeah, yeah, college football has been kind of a menagerie uh, or a hodgepodge, if you if you will, of a little bit of everything, like uh, if you're – in Baylor's case in point, they you're dealing with a first-year coach. And, again, this thing came over in the offseason in March, and so that's no spring game, no spring training. The guys going into your two-a-days, your July and your August, when a lot of folks are in camp, they weren't even sure if class was going to be in session or if the season was going to be canceled. So it brings us to December and we're talking about bowl games and everything else. But if you look at that, you know, what happens away from the scene, particularly when kids are 18 to 20, 22 years old, you can only expect so much out of them. And we just hope that we can get out of here without any major serious injuries. And, you know, they can get the season, this COVID season, under their belts and behind them. Well, uh, former Baylor coach Matt Rule, he's uh, he's in Carolina. But the story sort of in the NFC, a couple major stories, but, the Green Bay Packers eight and three on the season, and, and of course you're a, a Green Bay Packer alum. Uh, what are your thoughts on Green Bay and how they're playing? It seems like when Devontae Adams is good, they're good. What What do you see when you look at the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, you know Devontae Adams is outstanding. He's arguably one of your top receivers in the NFL. You know he's going to be in that conversation with your top two or three receivers. <laughs> Excuse me, no matter what. Um, you know, when you look at Green Bay in the whole, they've got an outstanding running tandem with a bevy of running backs. Uh, one in particular is Aaron Jones. He's a top-notch running back. And as well, everybody knows what Aaron can do at the quarterback position. So, you know, that being said, they'll probably be in the – they've got to be in the conversation of probably the top six to eight teams in the NFL. Um, if you notice, I hadn't said a lot about their defense, so that is still kind of a concern when you get into those games or you make it to the playoffs. Do you have the ability to to dominate your opponent and get off the field? And I just haven't seen that from their defense as of yet. But that being said, as long as you've got Aaron Rodgers and a couple of other guys on that offensive side of the ball, you should be in every game. Well, it seems like you have so many teams in the NFC that are unpredictable. Tampa, you know, on paper, you look at that talent on, on the skill positions in Tampa, just incredible. But, again, they're inconsistent. You look at what's going to happen when Taysom Hill and New Orleans has to throw the football, and Drew Brees, will he come back? Can he come back at, at the same level? You look at other teams that you think Seattle, they have defensive woes. Who, who do you like in the NFC? I mean, besides Green Bay, a lot of those teams you named, uh, I think that NFC West is going to be a, a, a real tough division going down the stretch because you've got Seattle, you've got the Rams, and Arizona, exactly, yeah. all fighting for, for playoff berths. So I think that's going to be an outstanding division to watch. You know, Tampa, again, we've got a Hall of Fame quarterback there. But really, the holdback is you haven't had a lot of off season. A lot of you know, a lot of people line up and they or they turn the TV on when the season starts. But so much happens when February comes and March happens in the NFL, as far as guys signing, guys working out together, guys running routes together. 
None of that has happened. And I think you're expecting too much from Tom Brady, somebody that's been in one offense for the last 19 or 20 years. And he's supposed to pick up a new playbook, get used to all these this talent around him. You know, it's, it's not an add water situation. You know, I think a lot of times we play a little bit too much PlayStation and Madden, and we think we can add these players and it's going to be go, go gadget. But it takes some time. Yeah, and uh, it looks like in the second half of that game versus Kansas City, they looked like, okay, now that they were finding it. But they were just sort of knocked out in the first round versus Kansas City with uh, Tyreek Hill and and Pat Mahomes. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about COVID and what's going on with COVID. I mean, this has been very, very disruptive. First off, let me ask you as a former player, most of these guys have not played in less than full stadiums since they were in high school. And even you, in your case, you never played in front of like empty stands in probably your freshman year or something like this. So how weird is it to play in a totally quiet environment where you could just hear, you can hear all the audibles. I mean, there's no crowd noise to speak of, no, nothing to interrupt uh, what's going on, no crowd to feed off of. How does that come across to you as a veteran? Yeah, I mean, there's been a couple of times, maybe preseason, I remember particularly going over to Japan and playing. The stadium was full, but the crowd really wasn't doing a lot. They were there for the fact of it was a football game, but you weren't getting a lot of the crowd noise that you're used to in the stadium. And, you know, to be able to get on the field with nobody in the stands, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, when we enjoy being at home with the crowd noise and rushing the passer, that makes that, that makes it real rough and you know and tough. You know, I think once the ball is snapped, you go into your reaction or your action modes, and you're not even thinking about the fans. But that in between time, playing in almost a ghost town, so to speak, or a ghost stadium, will really be rough on a player. How do you think they'll impact the playoffs? Because there is no real home field advantage other than like maybe if teams have to go into Green Bay and play in that weather. How do you think this will impact? Uh, the the playoff situation for for teams going on the road. Yeah, that's why you're exactly right. Unless it's a weather situation, then, you know, a team like New Orleans who typically has the home field advantage, and I think that's usually good for, I'm going to say, three or four points. Definitely a, a home game in the Superdome in January, all of a sudden those three or four points are gone. So it's going to be even when you go, go into those playoffs and you have those playoff caliber teams that are getting in that stadium you know, a lot like that NBA bubble was, you know, that with no home field advantage, no no needing to travel, you saw that in the NBA that all these teams were really a lot more equal than you thought. And, and what about the disruption in the schedule? I mean, you saw Pittsburgh and Baltimore play yesterday afternoon, and it's a situation where <laughs> uh, we did see some soft tissue stuff with a couple players pulling up, and then the ACL torn by uh, Bud Dupree. Uh, what? How difficult, as creatures of a of habit in the NFL, how difficult is it to sort of alter that schedule and then play on random days or have to wait extra days? That's difficult. I mean, you try to be ready to roll with the punches, and I'm sure the head coaches and the coaching staff is trying to do the best they can to make sure the guys are prepared and ready to go. But, you know, you try to get into more of a cycle of what you're doing from from week to week. You know, like, you know, Monday could be part of your physical your uh, preparation and your personal training, taking care of those nicks and bruises, which every player has come December. You know, and, and then you get into your Wednesday, your Monday, Wednesdays, your mindset of your, your coming into your next opponent. And when those games get pushed back, that kind of throws off your whole mental psyche 
as well as the physical attributes as far as getting your body prepared to be the best it can be on Sunday. You know, but if you're a veteran, each and every the extra day you get more and more to rest, the better you feel like you're going to need all those days you can get. So if the game goes from Sunday to Tuesday or Wednesday, you feel like you've got a little bit more of an advantage because it's helping your body get ready for that game. I want to do. I want to go back a little bit to Green Bay when you talk about, mm-hmm. and obviously you traveled there back and forth throughout the football season, and I imagine you haven't been doing much of that. How do you think the this situation really impacts mm-hmm. that community of Green Bay, Wisconsin? And, and I mean, obviously economically it has to take a huge toll, but just on the morale and and the people of Green Bay because they, I mean, as much as any fans around, they have a ownership stake in, in the team, so to speak. And it's built around this small community, the smallest uh, market in the NFL. How do you think it's impacting Wisconsin and, and the city of Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, it, you're you're exactly right. I mean, this this virus, a pandemic, has con- uh, really controlled and affected the economics on every level. I was actually reading something last week that it had already restaurants and bars um that that operate all those are closed down because the packers aren't letting any fans into the stadium right now so there's no tailgating or anything like that so the bars and the restaurants have already lost that was in the through the month of november had already lost over a hundred million dollars in revenue and that's big for a small town because you know that is the i would dare to say that's probably three-fourths of their revenue for the year you know these restaurants and bars uh, the city really slows down after the season, if you can imagine, in a city of 100, 150,000 people. So you're really looking forward to that. And if you don't have that income, you start wondering and wondering, wondering exactly where it's going to come from once the season is over. Yeah, it's going to be tough for a while for them. Let's turn to the city of Houston. Uh, big news here. Obviously, Will Fuller and him, uh, along with Bradley Roby, took a banned substance. And, uh, I mean, at this stage of the game, I mean, the NFL has educated these guys. You know the rules. How does this happen in this at this stage where players are just – they are really familiar with the rules and regulations and how the NFL works as it pertains to banned substances. Uh, what do you – what's your thoughts on Will Fuller and Bradley Roby? Yeah, I just think it doesn't make sense to put yourself – it's a selfish act to put yourself and your teammates in that position. You know, because you need to be out there. A guy like William Fuller, he needs to be out there. You know, you've got the quarterback pulling for him to get him a contract to keep him in Houston Um, because we all know we've already lost DeAndre out of the Texans jersey and the Texans uniform. And it's just a selfish act, you know. And and I've been in the locker room before. You want to do everything you can do to get as much of an edge against your opponent as possible. But the NFL gives you a list and some do's and don'ts. And as far as performance enhancing, they play no games with it. They don't give you a warning. They don't give they don't give you a shot across the bow. If, if you test if you test dirty, it's they're going to cancel and suspend automatically. So you know that. And this being his third fourth year in the NFL, you know it's just really no excuse for it. I, I hate it for him for whatever reason. Um, you try to push the ticket and push that system. But, hey, it's one of those systems you can't get over on. 
Yeah, and it's such a, a disruptive thing. And before I get out of here, I want to ask you uh, a couple more things about that uh, the NFC North. You start to see mm-hmm. life when Dalvin Cook is healthy. It seemed like Minnesota started to play well. They got rid of some guys. They moved some guys around. And they are not a pushover team uh, late in the season. Uh, what about them in Chicago and even Detroit in that division? Which one of those three teams can step up and play spoiler, uh, if not make a run at the playoffs? Again, uh, to your point you made earlier, if you go on the road, Davin Cook went on the road last year in a loud stadium and beat the Saints. Um, he came to Green Bay and had almost 200 yards rushing a month and a half ago. So I would definitely say Minnesota is a dangerous team. They're going to play some consistent, stingy defense, and they've got a running back that is one of the tops in the league. So, And when I say tops in the league, he can break that. He can hit a home run from anywhere on the field, and it's hard for DBs to even catch him. So he can run in between the tackles. And he also has breakaway speed. So he is a problem to deal with. And like you said, when they are healthy, a real formidable opponent. And finally, before we let you get out of here, Houston Rockets, they trade. I mean, and I know you as an athlete, you mm-hmm. keep up with all sports, especially in Houston. What are your thoughts on uh, <laughs> on Russell Westbrook for John Wall and, and that whole situation with the Rockets and Harden warning out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if, if Wall is healthy – you know, he's a young version, and he's a dynamic player. Um, if he's healthy, he hadn't played in two years, so we're not sure what we're going to get. And now you got the rumblings of Harden that's ready to make a move. Um, you know, you hate it for him, but it sounds like he wants to go to Brooklyn. And if he could get to Brooklyn, you know, you'd have to arguably say that Kyrie Irving and um, Durant and himself would really have a logical chance but with the signings and the acquisitions that they're doing in L.A. Uh, with the Lakers, uh, they're going to be a hard team to beat. If they're healthy, they're going to be yeah. a hard team to beat the next two, three seasons. So um, you'd hate for Harden to get away, you know, and a lot of times guys look at it as the only way I can be successful if, if I'm in the winner's circle. But, you know, I dare to say that they were a successful team the last two, three seasons. They just weren't able to get over that proverbial cliff. You know, when you're losing to a team that's going to win championships in your Golden States and your L.A. Lakers, like the Houston Rockets have done in prior years, I would dare to say they were just as good as a couple of those teams, a couple of those years, they were just as good as those Golden State teams and a little bit not as good as the Laker team last year in a shortened season. But, I, you know, honestly, I'd have to say that they were successful in their own right. So if it's time for him to move on, you wish him, his be- wish him the best. But, you know, you don't know what that means for Houston because a lot of times we can stay bad for a while before we turn the corner and get good again. So yes. it's definitely a concern for all the Rockets fans. Yeah, rough days ahead looks like for yeah, Houston man. Rockets fans. Uh, your volleyball dad, how's volleyball going? volleyball season volleyball season just ended volleyball season just ended and everybody's taking a break for the holidays again the coronavirus they had a shortened season in the fall uh all of 12 games so they're looking at they're looking at potentially picking up a second season in the spring to do it all over again but i think the players especially my daughter was glad just to get something in for the season because they've worked so hard, you know, since June, July. Yeah, so no champions were crowned. They just got – okay. 
Yeah, exactly. Okay, because I watched actually, you know, because of you, and I, and I think I texted you one day. They were talking about you mm-hmm. in the stands. You went up to Baylor when they played uh, Baylor, and the commentators on ESPN were talking about mm-hmm. you. So they made mention of you in the building. I didn't, I didn't hear you. I didn't know if you were gonna be the obnoxious volleyball dad, but I. So you must have had your, your you know, sitting on your hands up and waking. Yeah, I try. I try to, you know, exactly. I try to refrain till we get to the car to do some coaching. Then, you know, I just make sure she's having a good time and doing what she's supposed to do, you know. Yeah, well, like I said, uh, it, uh, that volleyball is a fast-growing industry, uh, almost like, uh, you know, when with uh, high school football. I mean, the volleyball with the AAU kind of style of volleyball, man, it is blowing up. It's it's incredible, man. And it's uh, Yeah, it definitely is, and it's a great outlet. You know, I've got three <clears throat> daughters, so i got a son and three daughters. So when I say it'd be great, uh, it's a great outlet for the girls and to get them into something, get them engaged at an early age. I'm all about that volleyball, and it's great to watch as well. Yeah, I've learned a lot uh, about it as well through the, the past few years. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate it and, and uh, enjoy catching up with you. Maybe uh, if the Packers are doing something in the playoffs, which I'm sure they will, uh, we'll visit yeah. with you during the playoffs. Hey, sounds good, man. Have a, Y'all have a great holiday. I'll talk to y'all soon. I always enjoy our visits with Santana Dotson. And, uh, man, this dude has a lot of wonderful things going on, the Santana Dotson Foundation. We'll have to get more into that. And uh, just a great guy, and we always appreciate having him on. Well, with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck. But I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the podcast. By now, you've seen the Roy Jones, Mike Tyson, or clips from the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones fight. Whatever that was, exhibition, not quite exhibition, not really a fight. Maybe it was a fight. I don't know. And, and by now, I'm, I, you certainly have seen or heard about the undercard. The basketball player, three-time slam dunk champion, Nate Robinson. Great NBA player. Really nice NBA career. And a YouTube influencer, Jake Paul. And it would be easy for me to ridicule Nate Robbins. I mean, everybody has. And there's been some great stuff. And it's easy to make fun of him. But I won't because he's a gladiator. He got in there. And he shouldn't have gotten in there. And, and always in situations like this, I turn to music. And I allow music to inform me. And so Nate should have been listening to some old school. He should have listened when George Michael said this. But of course he didn't. He didn't listen. And he got out there in the ring, and he thought he was going to do his thing. And he learned like a lot of them learn. You can't play at boxing. Boxing is a real thing. And had he gone up against a legit boxer, that would have been a thing. So I had to look up who Jake Paul was, okay, because I don't, I don't know who he is. So this guy became famous from Vine. Vine is the thing with the six-second videos or whatever. He's made a life of doing that and the YouTube thing. And he's come up, and apparently he's in the mix, and he's just started, he started boxing. And now he whooped Nate Robinson. And Nate, look, 
It's like Nate charged a hundred miles an hour into that whooping. I mean, he just didn't hesitate. I mean, he did. He just rushed in there head first. You could just tell you don't you don't move like that as a boxer. The and not even when you're closing a guy. Out. Say you knock a guy back against the ropes and you think you got him. You still don't just go in there head first. Well, he led head first and he hit the canvas head first, and that was a shame. But for Jake Paul to start going on these television shows, and he was on TMZ this week, challenging Conor McGregor, saying, oh, Conor McGregor, you want to make some real money. Fight me. My dog has more likes than any of your opponents. My, my dog has more followers on Instagram than any of your followers. Now, this is where Jake Paul is making a huge mistake. He, just like Nate Robinson, thinks he has some skills. Conor McGregor is an MMA guy, so he may not have the hands either. Although I've heard, and I would not pay for the Conor McGregor Mayweather fight, but I heard that uh, that Conor wasn't that bad. He he didn't have. I mean, he was outclassed, but he wasn't that bad. But I assure you, and you can go after Conor all you want to, but if you start stepping in there with some for real legit boxers. Nate Robinson is going to look very, very familiar. It's going to look like about what's going to happen to you. You cannot get in there with these guys that do this for a living. This is how they eat. They're not going to go on YouTube and, and you know, I guess, I don't know what they do. Drink out of a soda, whatever you guys do on YouTube to get, you know, the likes, the clicks and all of that. If you get in there against some real cats, they're going to put something on that and it's not going to be funny at all. But for you to think that you can go from YouTube to in the square circle being about that life for real, you beat Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson is a older basketball player. You don't get points for that. What points do you get for that? <laughs> you know I mean, and like I said, it was it wasn't anything you did to win that fight. It was what Nate did. Nate went in there head first. And so, Jake Paul, for you to think that you have a legitimate chance to be a legit fighter and nothing but a sideshow, which, again, a lot of people in boxing have made it a sideshow and made money. Not going to say you can't make money. I'm going to say you're not a legit fighter. And I think, overall, it's safe to say that you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> These cats, man, you cannot let the smooth taste fool you. You see something and you, and maybe he's putting, and they say, oh, he's working with Shane Mosley. Okay. We've seen a lot of guys think that they could go in there and get something done. And I mean, talk, going back to Ed Tutal Jones, a bunch of, I mean, a number of folks went into boxing. Hey, man, that's a special kind of skill set. I, and I'll tell you what, like, I play football, whatever, and I, you know, and that's a violent game. No doubt about it. But when I was a kid, I went up against a kid that was a few years older than me. We put on the gloves, and he hit me upside of my head, and I knew at that moment there was a better way to do things. Again, <laughs> I got in there. He was a shorter kid, and but he was about three years older. But everybody thought because, oh, I was towering over him. He was a little short, stocky kid. And man, he hit me in the first time. I knew, no, this is not this is not sport for me. I love boxing. I love it. Watched it religiously growing up. Love boxing. Not for me. 
and not for you, Jake Paul. So with that, going to wrap up this episode. But before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, want to thank my guy Santana Dotson. Want to thank Kalina from the Special Teams Unit for the Why We Kneel. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Want to thank CoBank Homes, Kofi Bankers, and CoBank Homes for sponsoring us. Want to thank you guys for reaching out, for listening, for supporting. We certainly appreciate that. Want to remind you, hit me up on Twitter at Wade's Word. Go to the website, wadeswordproductions.com. And of course, give us a call on Sportsline. 24 hours a day, 832-941-6614. I want you to remember all of that stuff. But most importantly, I want you to remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. (laughs) This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.